the volume. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What is going on, my people? And by my people, I mean those that just consume the living you-know-what out of Chargers Chiefs. What a game. Incredible Thursday night. Loved it. That's that's why I watch football. We'll obviously dive into that right off the top. I'm John Middlecoff. This is the 3&Out Podcast. Thanks for subscribing. Share it with your friends. You guys know the drill. Leave a review if you could. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Also, uh, have a lot coming up on the show today. Urban Meyer. I don't know if you saw. He got fired. Uh, and then we'll dive into Colts, Patriots, big game, the transfer portal, college football going nuts, and then the Middlecoff mailbag. I said I needed some mailbag questions. I'm not kidding. I have about 35 unread mailbag questions and probably another 100 repeat mailbag questions. I don't know how I'm going to get to them all, but we'll bang out a bunch of mailbag questions. Add John Middlecoff as the Instagram. You guys know the drill, and I'll answer those at the end of the show. But let's start with what we just witnessed. And I've always said, and there is no shame in my game, I watch professional sports for greatness. I, I, I am not looking to watch overachievers. I'm not looking to watch Johnny Tryhards. I'm looking to watch Marino, Elway, Favre, Mahomes, Herbert, Tiger Woods, Steph Curry, Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, you know, Derek Jeter, you name it. I want to watch the best guys play in the biggest stages and the biggest games. I always say when I worked in the NFL, the thing that they're like, what's it like watching all these players? Well, actually, I spend most of my time evaluating middle to, you know, borderline NFL guys. You don't, you're not watching Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers every day. My mom can tell you they're sweet. What I do now, that's all the time I spend 
watching the sweet guys. I spent all my time talking about the sweet guys. And I'll never forget in the uh, 30 for 30 documentary on Christian Leitner. Uh, and I'm not, it's not like I'm some diehard Christian Leitner fan, but I've always been a big Coach K guy. And Coach K said something in that documentary that stuck with me. I think there were a couple free throws in a Final Four game, and Christian Leitner, he might have missed one, actually. And Coach K had said that whether he makes, he's either going to make or miss the free throw, but he'll never choke. And I think that represents a lot of great players, right? Kobe Bryant might miss an open shot, but it wasn't because he was scared of the moment. Tiger Woods might miss a putt, but it wasn't because he was shaking. He just missed the putt. And I've said for a long time now, the trio of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, like to me, the greatest trio that at least is talked about is the uh, the Cowboys trio, right? Emmett, Aikman, and, um, and Michael Irvin. You know, these guys don't have three Super Bowls yet, but I'm watching them. I think they're better. You know, I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's in the Hall of Fame. You know, Michael Irvin's an all-time great wide receiver. You know, I don't know. I'd probably take Tyreek Hill. And obviously, Emmett and Travis Kelsey don't play the same position, but, like, that's as good as it gets. You know, they may lose the game, and they easily could have lost tonight. But, like, you can see how clutch these three guys are. Mahomes didn't have his A game. Mahomes, if he was a golfer, shooting like 74 tonight. But he still finds a way to throw for 400 yards and make huge plays when he has to. But really, this game was made by Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And they remind me a lot of the Warriors guys. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. Like, I've seen them lose some big games. But I never, ever once viewed them as chokers or losers. Because they're winners. Deep down, they're champions. And they know how to win. It's why more often than not, they're going to come out on the right side of the ledger, of the score. And you saw tonight, Tyreek Hill clearly is cramping up. He's like a Ferrari, right? His his skill, you know, Keenan Allen is an elite player. I mean, he's a pro bowl. He's going to go down as one of the best wide receivers of his era. He has trouble catching Justin Herbert's ball. And I understand why. I, I grew up on Brett Favre. It was hard to catch Brett Favre's ball. He throws like a 105-mile-an-hour fastball. Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes doing the same thing. The, the second to last touchdown in the game was Tyreek Hill catching the ball off his helmet. The skill that little guy has is just stupid. But Travis Kelsey, in, in growing up, I used to go to Cal Berkeley games when Tony Gonzalez was on the I love Tony Gonzalez. Travis Kelsey is like Tony Gonzalez on steroids. He's not that fast anymore. He's older. That play, really a couple plays he made tonight, the angles he takes working his way around defenders, it's not like he's outrunning them. He's just cutting. He's going to places they can't get to. His skill, his just, I mean, it's just watching an all-time great player. And as a fan of football, as someone deep down who tries to like still keep a love of what I do, and sometimes you can become numb to it when you talk about it for a living, that was fucking cool. That was really just cool. Watching legends be legends. Do you know, I, I just, I was like, I knew they had big games. But then I bring up the box score and I see Travis Kelsey had 10 for 191 and two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill had 12 for 150 and a touchdown. They got 22 catches and 200 and I got to do my math right. 200 and 300. What's 200 and 350 yards or 340 yards. So 22 catches, 22 catches. Sorry, bad at math. 340 yards and three touchdowns out of two Hall of Fame players. 
That's why the Chiefs are probably looking like they're going back to their third straight Super Bowl. Because I'll promise you this, if they're going to play defense like that, Mac Jones ain't beating them. I like Mac Jones. I respect Mac Jones. People think I don't. Listen, he's a rookie, awesome player. They won a game with him throwing three passes. If they play the Chiefs in a playoff game, you bet your ass I'll bet the house on the Chiefs. And if Mac Jones somehow beats them, which I can't see, I'll tip my hat. Hell, Tom Brady three years ago, when they ended up playing the Rams in the Super Bowl, barely beat them. You're telling me Mac Jones is going to outduel this guy? And listen, Patrick Mahomes looked off. He did. Somehow he threw for 410 yards and a three touchdowns. That's Patrick Mahomes. Now, on the flip side, listen, the Chargers have something. They're eight and six, but I didn't grow I was born in 84. So obviously, Elway and Marino, their primes were the mid to late 80s. I didn't witness it. Now, I, I've interviewed Marino at the Super Bowl like five, six years ago, and I watched some YouTubes, but let's face it. When you watch, when you don't watch something live, it's hard to truly grasp it. When you watch a player live, and anyone listening to this, if you're a fan of a team, and if you're my age or older, you've been watching sports for a long time, you feel very good about arguing how good Kobe Bryant was, right? How good Tom Brady was, how good Peyton Manning was, how good Adrian Peterson was, how good Reggie Bush was in college, whatever. When you've seen it live, you have context, you know what it looks like, and then you're able to put it against other things you've seen throughout your life. So I, I, I can go back and I can watch the clips of Marino and Elway, and they look awesome. But I've been, you know, talked to enough guys that have played against them, played with them, and you've heard the stories that, like, I'm telling you, their talent was stupid. Now, I did see Favre in his prime, and it was clear, unlike anything we've ever seen. And Marty Morningwig told me when, when uh, one day I asked him in the office, we were just bullshitting. He used to give me like, hey, could you go pick me up some chew? And he'd want like a log and they were like 40 bucks and he'd hand me a hundred and then he'd let me keep the change. It was sweet. But we used to bullshit a lot because obviously he'd coached for the Niners for a little bit, but he's had cool stories. He was just, he's a football guy. And Marty told me and his like, at the time he'd been in the league for 20 years, the best player by far he'd ever seen is Brett Favre. And, you know, clearly if he watched it, he, you know, he won three straight MVPs. He went to back-to-back Super Bowls. He won a Super Bowl. I saw it. Like, <laughs> we haven't seen that many Brett Favre's. But here's the thing. You know, the difference between Rodgers and Favre is, let's face it, like, the part of what made Favre cool is he was a little out of control. A little bit of a renegade. And that's fun to watch, especially when you're a kid, like most kids my age growing up watching him. It was like, this guy just letting it rip. He doesn't give a shit if he throws a pick. But then you get older, you watch the game longer, and you realize, you know, some picks are probably you want to stay away from. So then Aaron Rodgers came along, and he was like the buttoned-up version of Favre. He had all the physical skills, could throw these ropes, but he also had the touch, and he didn't turn the ball over as much. And I feel like Herbert is some hybrid of... Elway body, far of arm, but like Rodgers control. Now he's only in year two and you'll be like, well, he hasn't won anything. I get it. Have you seen the guy's stats? He was 60 plus touchdowns and 20 plus picks in his first year and a half in the league. And he doesn't play for some buttoned up organization. The Chargers have been, let's face it, kind of an underachieving operation. And clearly Herbert is, is going to go down as one of the best things that's ever happened to him. Now, are they going to win a playoff game? I don't know. Is their coach obsessed with going on fourth down? Yes. Do the analytic people on social media cheer and be like, it's not about the result, it's about the process. Why does academia always talk down to all of us? Like, hey guys, you're not the first one to pound the table about going for it. People in the 70s, sitting on their couch, 
watching Terry Bradshaw or Kenny the Snake Stabler or Roger Stallback screamed at their television in potentially black and white, some big box, go for it. I've been yelling go for it since the 90s I was a little kid. Anyone listening to this has screamed at your television to go for it a million times. Guess what, analytic elitists? We're all humans. We all want our team to go for it. But there is a time and a place. And at the end of the half, when you're up 14 to 10 against a team that, let's face it, has struggled to score and you can make it a touchdown game, it might be a good idea to kick the field goal. I understand sometimes midfield, long field goals. I get it. Your field goal kicker is not trustworthy. But at the two-yard line to go into half to make it a seven-point game, you know what the final score was? 34 to 28. You know why? Because it was 28 to 28 going to overtime. What if it had been 31 to 28? Chargers would have fucking won the game. But the analytic guys will tell me it's about the process, the result. Yeah, I get it. I have a brain. I've watched football for 30 years. We've all screamed at the TV to go for it. We get it. I don't need a mathematician to tell me when and when not to. It's pretty clear you should probably kick a field goal at the end of the half when you're up going into halftime. I don't know. You, 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 they get the ball. Pretty big swing. But you can call me an idiot. You can call me some dinosaur, whatever. You know, I invest in cryptocurrency. I'm not that big of a stiff. But I love Justin Herbert. And I'm a huge fan. I love watching him. That, that the Herbert Mahomes, I can't get enough of that. I, I could watch that. If they played 17 games a week, I wouldn't miss a snap. That, that was awesome. SoFi Stadium looked awesome. The, the legends on the Chiefs brought it. Um, just a fantastic game. And again, if you, if you didn't watch that, and I know no one listening probably did not watch the game, but we're not friends. Okay. If you've been listening to me for a long time, you know where I stand on Urban Meyer. I have nicknamed him Fraud Meyer years ago, well before I ever believed that he would coach in the National Football League. And then at about, I guess for me, it would have been 9.30, 9.45. I, I live in California, so Pacific Standard Time. Jacksonville, last time I checked, is on the eastern seaboard. They fired him at like 12.30 at night, or at least they announced it. Maybe they fired him earlier in the day. But let's start with, oh, overall, I've been fired. And, and listen, I'm not an Urban Meyer fan, but I'm not going to take a victory lap here. I, I, I never, I don't root for people to lose their job. I, I really don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. What happens to Urban Meyer? But Shad Khan pulled the trigger. Sent him packing. Like several college coaches have had happen to them over the years, at least in my adult life. Uh, and, and let's start with the most basic level. When you are, I think, a parent, when you are a boss, when you are a coach, there are times when you have to be a quote-unquote asshole. The person I know growing up, me and my dad butted heads all the time. You see bosses, I've worked for people, you butt heads with them. Obviously, as a coach, you're butting heads with them a lot as well. And I don't, it's not always negative. It's just when you are in a position of authority, as a parent, as a coach, as a leader, you are trying to push people under you to do better, to go to higher levels, right? If you're the manager of a bunch of salespeople, you want them to sell more stuff. If you're the coach of a football team, whether it's high school or the pros, you want guys to play better. If you're the parent of four kids, you want them to strive to be great people, to be successful people, to do things the right way. And no human being I, at the time, even when we know we're wrong 
or sometimes, you know, if you're a younger person, you're immature, you don't even realize it, likes to be told how to do something, what to do. Why, why do you think there's so much pushback in society? I don't like people telling me what to do. Never have, never will, right? And most people don't. And it's that, that's a whole nother conversation. But when you look at Urban Meyer, like being an asshole, there comes a time and a point when you have to do it. Hell, we do it with our pets. You yell at your dog for chewing up your shoe. You don't want to scream at your dog. You love your dog. But there's a balancing act to it. And I think the thing we saw with Urban Meyer is that his asshole tendencies and being just didn't factor in gaining respect. And in in college football and hell, in high school football, you have complete authority. The coaches are intimidated by you and definitely the players are. Little less now with the transfer portal. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how Urban could have operated with the transfer portal. Not that he wouldn't have had success, but he would have had to change his tactics. But in the NFL, for example, the story that came out before the Josh Lambeau story that he kicked him. And I'm not going to say that Josh Lambeau's lying, but do I believe that Urban Meyer full on kicked him? I don't know. Do I believe that he was disrespecting him? For sure. Do I think that Urban Meyer looked at Josh Lambeau like a loser kicker? 100%. And we can dive in to Urban Meyer and the, uh, you know, the way he handled his coaching staff, for example. And the story that came out from Tom Pelissero was that he called his coaching staff losers. And you can do things like that in college football. And I'm not, whether he did or didn't over his years, I don't know. But he's saying that too, and I, I talked about this earlier in the week, Brian Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer is born and raised around the NFL. His dad, Marty Schottenheimer, passed away pretty recently. Legend in the NFL. Brian Schottenheimer was in the NFL before Urban Meyer came to the NFL, and he'll be in the NFL after. He's also a multi-millionaire. Because when you're a coordinator in the league, he's been getting seven figures for 10 years. So when you say that to a guy, and you call them a loser, they're going to be like, one, F you. And two, they don't hesitate to leak that. And when you look at the leaks, do you know when leaks happen? When I don't respect you. When I don't worry about what you're going to do to me if you find out I'm talking to the press. You know why? I can talk to the press. That does not happen very often in college football with assistants. It happens a lot in the pros. And it happens a lot in the pros with coaches who do not have respect of their coaching staff and of their players. That it doesn't happen in New England. It doesn't happen with the Colts. I haven't seen it happen with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Doesn't happen with with Sean McVay. Doesn't happen with Andy Reid. Because gaining the respect, you need to do business with these people. In college, you can control it all. You are not as dependent. Obviously, you are dependent on the players. But when you're getting the best players, you can force them to do what you want them to do. And you're just more talented. And your coaching staff, you're just kind of like the, the king. The king maker. They all answer to you. In the pros... You are very dependent, one, on your coordinators when you're not a play caller, and two, on your players liking you, respecting you, and one, they make a lot of money. As we see college players now make money, the NFL players make a lot more money. And not every NFL player is 21, 22, 23 years old. Some of them are 28. Some of them are 32. Some of them have accumulated millions upon millions of dollars. They have wives. They have kids. Like, these aren't, you're not dealing with young men. Sometimes you are, but you're also dealing with adults, Andrew Whitworth, 40-year-old starting tackle. Tom Brady, 44 years old. Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL for like 17 years. Now, obviously, the Jags, I would imagine, if we dove into it, tend to have a younger team. 
But Urban Meyer thought that he could just, and I've heard Coward say this, bulldoze everyone. To me, it was more about like, you don't understand the business of this. Because in college football, you don't have to play politics. Everyone answers to you. In the NFL, even if you're Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or Sean Payton, you still need to play politics with your owner, with your GM, and with some of your star players, even when you're bad. And Urban Meyer clearly refused to, that, refused to do that. And I also don't understand he didn't get the dynamics of his coaching staff. And there are reports, uh, Aaron Wilson, who covers the Texans, tweeted out yesterday that Urban Meyer told his coaching staff that he had better assistance at Bowling Green. Like, no, you didn't, buddy. Like, you can say what you want about Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer. These guys have won playoff games as coordinators. You'll never sniff that. You won two games in your NFL career. You lost 11 games. 11 games. I think he lost nine at Ohio State. You're a fraud person. And listen, there is nothing wrong with being an asshole. I was yelled at by Coach Hill. I, I, I wouldn't say I was yelled at by Coach Reed, but a couple times he said something. They also, and he had me to his house for Thanksgiving. Coach Hill did everything possible for me when I was a GA. He, both the guys couldn't have been better bosses to me. Yet part of the job is to be hard on your assistants, your players. But there's a balance in college too. Like, I'm sorry, I just don't respect Urban Meyer. I, I, I really don't. Because he just, uh, he doesn't get it. He's a not get it guy. And sometimes, and I said this with Chip Kelly, I said this with John Gruden, you accumulate so much money doing it your way, I think you lose touch. John Gruden hasn't won a meaningful game in like 20 years, but he's accumulated $100-plus plus million over that period of time, not even coaching before he came to the Raiders. So why would he think that his way doesn't work? You saw it with Chip Kelly. As things crumbled in the pros, he refused to change. Smoothies, I'm going to run my offense. Like, bro, it ain't working. You got to change. Urban Meyer refused to change because all he knows is his way. And in fairness to his way, his way has accumulated him probably $100 million. So I, as someone who's never made $100 million, if I made it doing it a certain way, it would be hard to pivot. But that was his kind of undoing is he just couldn't get out of his own way. Didn't understand how to play politics because at Florida State at Ohio State, he never played politics. He was the judge, the jury, and the final, you know, it was his, he was a decision maker over the president, over the AD. And the moment shit went sour, Florida, people robbing people, selling drugs, murdering people, he left. Ohio State, shit hit the fan, left. He just quits. I mean, it's just, that's, that's his MO. He just quits. I say this all the time, like, he has these mental panic attacks. Like, Saban doesn't, Belichick doesn't, and they've had rough times, bad losses. They just keep chugging along. And then here's the other thing. I, I, I went on this rant a couple weeks ago about Joe Judge and Robert Sala, who Robert Sala is an A-plus human being. And I've watched a lot of Joe Judge press conferences. He's really impressive. He's, I, I'm impressed with Joe Judge. But I think when you play the quote-unquote CEO role, and these guys are NFL guys, right? Judge worked for Belichick for half a decade, won Super Bowls. Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator of a team that won the NFC. Been in the league for over a decade. These guys are NFL coaches, and they know it. But they get hired, and they immediately become a CEO. And when you become the CEO, it, it, to me, it's always crazy when you hire a 40-year-old 40 40 CEO, and people are like, what about Mike Tomlin? What about the Baltimore Ravens? Say that out loud. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Two of the better organizations, not in sports, but in American business. When I say the Jets, when I say this current version of the Giants the last half decade and the Jags, they are disasters. 
they need they need coaches. They need people to dictate the game. And when you're the CEO, you're not able to dictate the game. And once you get into the season, like culture, all that bullshit, like can you scheme guys open? Well, when you're the CEO, you're not you're not impacting the game on any of the facets, right? You're not calling the plays. It's why I don't understand hiring young coaches that then immediately become CEOs. Now, Urban is obviously older. He's 60 years old while he's never coached in the NFL. I think that Robert Sala and Joe Judge understand NFL players infinitely better than Urban Meyer. But like Urban, what could Urban do to fix his problems? He wasn't the offensive play caller. He doesn't know anything about defense besides recruiting the Boses and sweet players. And special teams, I don't even know if he cares. So Chip Kelly, who ultimately failed in the NFL, and while Urban was also fired in the middle of the night, Chip Kelly was escorted out of the Eagles building because the players and the building hated him. They could not stand him. But early on in Chip's tenure, I think his first and probably halfway through his second year, was having a lot of success. He dictated terms of every game. He was the offensive play caller. It's why his career, even at UCLA, he can dictate the game. He's dialing up 60, 70, however many snaps there are on offense every game. Every single one of them, he puts his imprint on. Urban Meyer's just standing there looking weird at Bevel and Schottenheimer. It's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you're not doing anything on game day besides calling timeouts. Because we've seen his quotes about, you know, this guy needs to play more. This guy did a good job and it would turn out the guy didn't even play. It's like he didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Now, you could say Urban wanted to get fired. Maybe he did. But I, I just think he's... Listen, we all have egos, right? No one, everyone listening to this has an ego. Some are bigger than others. I, If you... If you can't contain your ego as money and money keeps flowing, which Urban does, it can get out of control when you actually don't know what you're doing. And clearly in the NFL, he did not know what he was doing. Maybe he wanted to get fired. I don't know. But as a CEO head coach, this thing was a runaway train. And Shad Khan really had no choice but to fire him. And the main reason he had to fire him is because in theory, they're sitting on a gold mine. And his name is Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence would have been the number one pick every year, basically the last 20 years beside Andrew Luck. And then even that, it probably would have been a coin flip if they had been in the same class. But every single year since like Peyton Manning, there is no doubt in my mind that Trevor Lawrence would have been the number one pick. So you have a guy that you didn't luck into because you were really shitty. You deserve that guy because you were so bad you only won one game previously. He's your franchise. And if you are ever going to dig yourself out of the hole of losing. And that's what the Jags are. They're the biggest joke franchise currently in the NFL. They run through coaches. They have double-digit losses. I think 11 out of the last 12 seasons. They're a joke. And you can tell me the cons have a lot of money. And Shad, well, I guess Shad does. His son just inherits it and gets to work for him. And that's not a shot at Tony. I, he follows me on Twitter, whatever. But he, Shad made the money. I think Tony's actually made him some money, some of this wrestling stuff. and But his team's loose. And as people that follow soccer much closely, uh, much much more closely than myself, they tell me his soccer team in Europe sucks also. So for whatever reason, this guy can generate a lot of money in the business world, but when he owns sports teams, he doesn't know what he's doing. But in football, and I guess basketball too, baseball, the draft's a little bit different. When you suck, you just get to draft really high. And they got to draft really high for years, right? Jalen Ramsey, Bortles they missed, Lenny, playoff Lenny looks fantastic in Tampa Bay. He has Trevor Lawrence. And a big reason quarterbacks succeed or fail is not necessarily always their own fault, right? You are, as a quarterback, dependent 
on offensive linemen, on wide receivers, on your play caller, on your head coach, on the team. And when you look at the Jags, they're headed nowhere fast, but they're going to ruin this kid. And right now, if you said, if you told Kyle Shanahan, got on the phone right now and said, hey, would you trade yesterday Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and some picks to get Trevor Lawrence? They wouldn't hesitate. If you you could pull, you know what the Jets, hey, you can give us Zach Wilson and two ones for Trevor Lawrence. They would do the deal. Now, it doesn't mean Trevor Lawrence is going to turn out to be John Elway, Peyton Manning, hell, just some productive NFL player. But that's the way he's viewed still currently, and everyone's going to blame the organization as they should. So you have to figure out, you had to fire him because you couldn't allow for this toxic environment when your franchise is all going to be dependent on this guy's success or failure. And last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, when James Robinson wasn't in some big spots, and then they asked Trevor Lawrence, he's like, I, it makes no sense to me. Our best player should be in the game. Like, to me, that was as big of a sign as anything Josh Lambeau said or the report about the coaches being called losers coming out. That, to me, was the number one red flag since the incident with the, the girls at the bar, which was a clown show. Now, I bet there are going to be some people that believe, and I think it's believable to think that he wanted to get fired. But I had heard rumors that Oregon was very interested in Urban Meyer. And if I was Urban Meyer, wouldn't you have just gone to the owner and, and severed ties if you didn't want that job? I think a lot of people think he'll get another job. I don't even know if he wants to coach. I, you know, who knows? Maybe he's just completely over it. Shad Khan has to pay him to go away. But this was just a great example of a person who couldn't get out of his own way and was such a big asshole, refused to play politics. And he refused to swallow his ego ever. And he was just a finger pointer and blamed other people, which I'm not acting like their coaching staff was very good because it's not. But to act like all high and mighty to guys like Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer when they've accomplished way more than you in any industry, especially when people are making a lot of money. It's easy. If I'm a high school football player, my high, my high school coach can say whatever he wants to me. I have no juice. I have no leverage. But if I'm an NFL fifth-year veteran, especially one that if you just paid me $25 million, you do got to earn my respect a little bit, right? I've I've proven that I'm worth some money. I'm a good player. You can't just treat me like crap. And I, I think Urban Meyer really struggled with that. And you can say, well, he must have figured something out at Ohio State. He always was the boss. So even Zeke Elliott, the Boses, whatever great player that played for him at Florida or Ohio State, he was it was a cut and dry. He was the superior. And I, I just think that this was inevitable from the jump. It went even worse than I thought it would go. But the Jags just, they got to find a way to dig themselves out of the hole. NFL season is approaching the final stretch. FanDuel Sportsbook has a little something different to offer during this weekend's matchup between the Bucks and the Saints. FanDuel's given new customers 25 to 1 odds on any Touchdown scored in the game. Any. That means you win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. So Saints versus the Buccaneers. Buccaneers minus 11. Let's go with Leonard Fournette scores a touchdown. How about that? Any touchdown scored in the game. I'm going with Leonard Fournette. Listen, same game parlays, money line bets, touchdown scores. FanDuel's the number one rated sportsbook app in America. Just sign up, promo code Colin, this week before Sunday night's matchup. Win $125 in a $5 bet. Remember to use the promo code Colin. They know 
We sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund 10 bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbookfanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile slash web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, and Virginia. Or call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or go to 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me – You don't want to see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of General Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their General Tires. Test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16 and had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. Can't Hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The, the other big story, and I, listen, I'm not going to spend much time on this because the moment I see any media member or any human on my timeline on TV talking about COVID, I immediately change the channel. Uh, you, you couldn't pay me to... I don't want anyone's opinion, and I would imagine none of you want any opinion. It's 2022. But the NFL right now, this Omicron variant is clearly firing right through all these vaccinated people. They have to change the rules because they're going to have people continue to test positive. If you are asymptomatic and you're testing positive, you should be able to play. There have been no studies or rule or anything that have found that people playing the game of football spreads COVID. That's just that's a fact, right? Odell Beckham, there hasn't been an outbreak with Arizona and L.A. and they just played a game with several people tested positive 12 hours later. So they're going to have to adapt. They're going to have to figure out rules or this is going to only get worse. And also, it's pretty clear. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over. The studies on this Omicron variant that is not very powerful. So I, I think we need to change our mind in terms of Roger Goodell. It's tough because you're dealing with the union. Uh, a lot of this stuff, you know, it's this might offend some people. A lot of this stuff, CYA. Uh, that, that's the way big business works with insurance. I've said it forever. Like, why do they test for marijuana? Because it has to do with insurance. The moment is fed. You, you think half the owners are probably high as we as I record this right now. They don't actually care about marijuana. It has to do with insurance stuff. It's complicated. All this stuff revolves around business. And I, I just think a lot of this stuff, the theater behind it all at this point, again, we're almost in 2022. We've seen these spikes and these different things happen like three or four times over the last 18 months. And I know where I live, it's like they just arbitrarily like wear masks again for the next 30 days. What? You just arbitrarily pulling that? Like we've seen, like I got news for you, masks don't really do anything. We know that. We've seen it. There was just a study in Los Angeles where they mask mandate everywhere you go and and uh, Orange County where they have had no mass mandates, it's way worse in Los Angeles. Like, the information's in. We have to pivot. We have to change. Most of us normal people have a year ago. I, I think it's time for some of these businesses to adapt and pivot. And number one with the NFL, or you're going to have to like, or, or, what if Tom Brady tests positive before a playoff game? What if Patrick Mahomes? Like, it, it could be devastating. Asymptomatic players who are, t- who are testing positive, we got, we got to change. And, and we have to do it fast. Uh, the game of the weekend by far, Colts-Pats. 
Can't wait to watch this. I, I got to give the Colts some credit, right? I, I, I thought the, the Carson Wentz was a bold move, but early on in the season, and I know a lot of Colts fans got mad at me when I said that I didn't think he was playing that well. Well, statistically, he's been pretty good this year. 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. And one of the picks, remember, was in, in the end zone against the Tennessee Titans. Everyone freaked out, said it was the worst pick they'd ever seen. He was going to get a, uh, he, he would have got a safety. And that safety would have immediately led to them punting the ball and they would have lost the game. Now, they ended up losing that game, but they went in overtime because he let them down on a, on a game-tying drive. Well, I'm someone who's given the Colts a lot of credits over, credit over the years. I speak highly about Chris Ballard. I think he's a stud. I like Frank Reich a lot. I think their team is really good. Eventually, you got to win a big game. And this is a game where last year, they had somewhat of a ceiling because Phillip Rivers was old. Love the guy, but he was on his last leg. He was like a better version of, you know, Roethlisberger, right? The Roethlisberger we're seeing now. But it was clear he was a shell of himself. And I think the Colts, what they need to do, they win this game. Like, they deserve real credit. They, they have a tangible big win against Belichick at home. And let's face it, the Patriots historically have owned, let me repeat, owned Indianapolis. This is a standalone game on Saturday night. They are favored. The Colts, or excuse me, the Patriots, part of them owning them all those years was Tom Brady. You lose to Tom Brady, it's like losing to Michael Jordan, it's like losing to Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, you know, getting struck out by Roger Clemens or Greg Maddox. You lose to an all-time great player, sometimes you just tip your hat. But you're going to lose to Mac Jones? Like, come on, Indy. I think you're a playoff team, and I actually think you're a team that could win a first-round playoff game on the road. But I can't say that if you lose this game. You're at home. You're coming off a bye week. So are they. But like Frank, who I know locally takes some shit in Indianapolis because he's a very aggressive coach. And sometimes his aggressive plays on fourth and short or in the red zone, he runs pretty basic plays, it feels like. Like he just runs right up the gut. And it's like, Frank, we want you to go for it. And the analytic people love taking credit for people going for it. Like every single human the last 50 years hasn't been screaming at their television to go for it. But you do have to be innovative on some of those plays. But this is a huge week for Indianapolis because I do think the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm recording this part before the Thursday night game, but win or lose, I think the Colts and the Chargers as wild card teams would just, one of those two teams, it wouldn't shock me if they win wild card weekend. Now, obviously, they'd both be on the road. It's hard to tell in the AFC, you know, will they play the Titans? Will they play the Chiefs? Will they pay the, play the Patriots? And the Ravens, who knows? We, you know, it's it's easier to kind of big picture the NFC outlook. It's a little harder in the AFC, but I am confident the Colts and the Chargers are going to be playing. You know, after the Week 18, I and I just think that if one of those two teams gets it right, but specifically the Colts, uh, they could be they could be a very very tough out. The other thing that happened in the big story was Deion Sanders landing. You know, the number one recruit, depending on where you look. I, I just go to rivals. Uh, Travis Henry to go to Jackson State and just the chaos of college football. And I actually talked to an executive uh, in the NFL a couple nights ago. He called me. He's on the East Coast. He was driving late and we, we ended up talking for a couple hours. And I just started peppering him about questions. And he brought something up. He said, everyone's acting like, and, and listen, I, I think the media has been very disingenuous over the years about college athletics. I mean, specifically football and definitely the NBA. I love Jay Billis, but he's talked forever about like how corrupt the NCAA is. And listen, I hate the NCAA. I'm not 
advocating for them. I, I, I don't take them seriously. I think they're a joke. I think that they're not, they set arbitrary rules that these schools choose to follow. But he always acted like the players were always getting screwed. Well, in college basketball, unlike the NFL, or I mean, excuse me, college football, where there's 300 plus, you know, big recruits, right? The rival's big board is 300 players. I mean, there are on any given year, 30, 45 stars, and then a ton of four stars. So one individual player is not like landing LeBron James, right? That's obviously in college. College basketball players, well before I was born and well, like even to this day, are being paid a premium. And they always have been. And Jimbo Fisher said it yesterday. He's like, let's face it, NIL was going on before NIL. Just no one ever said anything about it. Players in college football have been been paid over the years under the table. I have no problem with it. I'm for it. The main difference beside the NIL rule that now you can publicize is the transfer portal. And the thing that my buddy was telling me is that coaches will tell them, these are coaches in the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, that they get nervous if they have like a freshman or sophomore who's playing and is going to be a potential really good player. Might be a good player at the time. They're like, you know, sometimes I hesitate to coach him hard. I, I, I struggle to like push him where I think he needs to go because I don't want to come off like being an asshole and then have look the next day and he's in the transfer portal because now it's a free-for-all. So this notion that college football is much more fair, it's like the NFL, bullshit. In the NFL, when I get drafted, hell, as a fourth-round pick and I make the team, I'm on a four-year contract. I can't just pick up and leave year two if I'm on the LA Rams and go, you know what, I'm going to the Green Bay Packers. But if I'm a freshman at Ohio State, at Oregon, wherever, I can just pick up and leave, which I'm not totally against. But one thing that I heard about LSU, Scott Woodward fired Ed Ogeron because he thought he had Jimbo in his back pocket. And it turns out the two most, the two teams with the most money in college football, as I've been told, is Texas has an unlimited amount of cash and they have no problem spending it. And they're doing it right now on offensive linemen. Number two is Texas A&M. And I think Jimbo realized he's sitting on a gold mine. And then he also realized I can get players here and he had the number one recruiting class depending on where you look. So they thought they had Jimbo Fisher. It turns out they didn't. They thought they had other guys. They ended up with Brian Kelly. But the moment that they fired Ed Ogeron, whatever, week, you know, middle of the season, all their players that are worth anything and they got a lot of talented players at LSU started calling these other programs, their buddies, like, come get me, dog. I, I, Alabama, Kirby Smart, Ohio State, I want to come play for you. And that to me, like, listen, every once in a while that happens. I don't know in the NFL if a guy's going to be a free agent. Odell Beckham once famously told John Lynch, come and get me. But it doesn't work that way. I still have to make a trade. I still have to do business. In college football, it's just a free-for-all. It's the wild, wild west. Hell, the internet right now is the wild, wild west. And I'm lucky enough to be in the business of the internet. I'm benefiting from the rules. There aren't any, right? And it's the early adapters on crypto really profited. They were ahead of the curve eventually there are going to be a lot of rules on the internet. We're already seeing it come slowly but surely. We're, we're in the infancy of this wild, wild west of college football, the transfer portal, all this stuff. It is going to be regulated eventually. I was told that people in college football, the coaches and the power brokers, believe that over the next five, 10 years, there'll just be a salary cap, kind of like the NFL. 
And once you do a salary cap, like, you know, your top 30 players make 200 grand, your next players make 100, however it works. I'm just picking arbitrary numbers. Then you have guys, quote unquote, like under contract. And maybe there's a rule if your coach leaves. I got no problem if a guy wants to leave LSU. His coach left or was fired, right? He doesn't want to play for Brian Kelly. If I wanted to play for Brian Kelly, I would have gone to Notre Dame. I got no issue with that. But some of these players that, you know, are just transferring after their freshman year, if they didn't win a job, if they think the coach is being a dick, I would imagine half of them, they're going to look back in like 10 years and be like, yeah, that was probably a mistake. And I, I do think we're going to see more regulation on this situation. I also think Deion Sanders just became way more valuable. I would bet right now $10,000. There is no way on God's green earth that Travis Hunter, Travis Henry, Travis Hunter, I think is his name, and Deion Sanders are at Jackson State in two years. I think there's a pretty good chance that both guys are at a new school next year. And if Hunter really likes Dion. They'll go as a package deal. That's another thing I hear that's happening a lot in college football. So when assistant is at school X, let's just say an SEC school, he calls, let's say Lincoln Riley or another coach that just got a new job or another coach that has a job opening on the staff and goes, coach, I want to be your offensive coordinator. I want to be your defensive coordinator. And I can bring these three guys. That's, you know, in the NFL, if I'm Robert Sala and I get hired from the Jets, and I, I bring LaFleur with me. So I bring a bunch of guys from the 49ers. If I want to get some of those guys who just played for us and set the culture, I have to sign them. They either have to be free agents. If they're under contract, I don't have access to them. Well, right now in college football, you have access to everyone. And the shadiness, like, listen, college sports, especially football and basketball, have always been shady, which I've, I enjoy. <laughs> One of my favorite movies ever is Blue Chips. I, I, I enjoy that aspect. I do think we've jumped the shark a little bit. And I also think having been, I don't know, an 18, 19, 20-year-old guy, I don't think you always make the best decisions. I also think you don't always know who to ask. The older you get, the more relationships you create, the more mentors and people you could run ideas. I think a lot of these kids, and I was told about this one guy at a smaller program whose defensive coordinator who was leaving to go to a Power 5 program was pitching one of the star players on defense. I want you to come with me. This guy had the opportunity to go to the Power Five originally out of high school and chose to go to this university and felt uncomfortable. So he called his dad. He's like, what should I do? The dad was furious, called the school, called the coach. Don't ever talk to my son again. It's putting some of these kids in uncompromising situations. I know the media elites celebrate this stuff. It's like, do whatever you want, just a free for all. Like free for alls don't usually work. I'm all for these guys getting money. I'm all for having the ability to transfer if your coach leaves. But I do think they have, and I don't know who is to choose to be able to make the regulations and the restrictions, because it is complicated. But they clearly need some. They just need some sort of, I, you know, I don't know, just, you know, some rules. They're just legitimately right now are no rules. It is the wild, wild west. And let's face it, we make such a big deal. Like Coaches can leave whenever they want. How many coaches leave every year? It felt like this year was pretty big, right? Five or six. And a lot of it was domino effects. But it's not as crazy as we think. But the amount of kids in the transfer portal, I I text a buddy uh, who's a power five, basically their GM. And I say, how do you know? Because like in the NFL, you know you just had to evaluate the NFL players. If a guy gets cut, you just evaluate him. I'm like, how do you know who to evaluate in the transfer portal? He's like, we have a couple rules. If the guy's a power five starter, 
we we write him up, you know, and then we see if like this is a guy that we should be all over. If we recruited him, obviously we're all over. And then if he's a you know if he's a productive player, even if he's not a starter, we also evaluate him. But he's like it can get very overwhelming on a given day. The number can go from five to a hundred, and we don't have the manpower. Most programs are not Alabama, Ohio State, and have unlimited amount of resources. So, I. I Deion Sanders and the number one recruit are not going to be at Jackson State all three years. Again, I, I would bet I'd bet fifty thousand dollars on that. And I think one of the ways this is going to start working for coaches is they're going to become like package deals. Package deals don't happen in the NFL. You, you, you know, you're 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 on your own kind of. Now it's it's much more black and white in the NFL, right? If I'm a free agent, how much you're going to pay me? In college football, it's like there's just some weirdness going on. And which is fun. It's entertaining. I'm all for it. I, I've enjoyed f- enjoying following all this. But man, I, I I do think they need to find a way to rein some of the craziness in a little bit for the health of the sport. Big picture. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16, had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. Can't Hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Okay, let's bang out some uh, Middlecoff mailbag questions. I know a lot of you guys sent them. I'm not going to be able to get to everyone. Apologize. I will try to over the next week. My question is a Seahawks fan. How should I be feeling right now? There's still a chance, albeit a small one, that we make the playoffs if we win out. I really think that winning six of our last some games and a first-round playoff exit would be enough to keep status quo and leave in the current regime. I always love Pete for bringing a decade of success in a Super Bowl to Seattle, but it's time for a change. Just slightly above football purgatory. What are your thoughts? I think they have a decent chance to win this weekend in L.A. And if they win this weekend in L.A., you guys are going to be 8-8 eight eight going into week 7, or I guess it would be week 18, but the 17th game against the Cardinals. You're going to be 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm telling you. Your next two games are the Lions and the Bears. So it's all, if you're going to have a chance, this weekend is it. Because you're winning the next two weeks. I, I'm with you. I just, let's just see what happens this week. And then we will assess the uh, big picture Seattle Pete. Even though we already kind of put, you know, it's, it's weird. We already buried them. But I'm telling you, let's just, I, I like I like the Rams plus five and a half. FanDuel, download the app. Promo code Colin. Had a question regarding my Cowboys. Obviously, we have two young cornerstone defensive players, Parsons and Diggs. Would it be, would it be in the team's best interest to draft another defensive back, corner or safety, in the first round of the next year's draft? Or would it be more impactful to draft a left tackle of the future to replace Tyron Smith? My philosophy is simple. If you do not need a quarterback and you have a guy on your board that is worthy of a selection in the first round that plays defensive line or offensive line, I'm always taking that position. If I can get a tackle, if I can get a pass rusher, if I can get a good defensive tackle, I'm doing it. Now, if the board doesn't play out that way and there's a safety, there's a CD lamb, I'll pull the trigger. But non-quarterback, I lean offensive or defensive line. I, I just do. And I, I think more often than not, you build your team that way. Look at the Cowboys. You guys drafted offensive linemen for years. This year, you drafted Micah Parsons and your fucking franchise turned around. Now, it's not all you know his doing, but he's played a big role in it. Stucky is my cousin. And hearing him on your show for the first time was pretty sick. He's a smart SOB. I agree. I love Stucky. Question for the pod. You've obviously been around lots of stars, sports or not. Has there ever been a celebrity you met where you were starstruck? Uh, yeah. Uh, Brett Favre, when I worked for the Eagles, we played Minnesota on a Tuesday because like some weather situation. He was out of the game because he had got knocked out. And I remember walking by him in the halls. He was coming by to say hi to Andy Reid and Marty Morningwig. And I just went silent. I, I had nothing to say. And I've, I met Joe Montana one day in the city. I just went right up to him, started bullshitting. I used the move. Like, he didn't know me. I just, I went with the move. I talked about his son because at the time, I think his son was playing for the University of Washington. 
If you ever get a chance to talk to someone really famous and you know anything about their family, I'm saying in a good way, like if you can bring up their children, it's the easiest way to get a conversation. Like if I ever ran into Tiger Woods and it was just me and Tiger Woods, first thing I'd ask him would be about how's Charlie doing? It's the easiest icebreaker to get someone to kind of relax. Because you know what? Every dad and, you know, I, I don't know how many famous women I've ever met, but how many famous like former pro athletes, they have a soft spot for their kids. You ever meet Bill Belichick? Ask him how it's like to coach with his son, Steve. It's just a soft spot. Every single parent has a soft spot for their children. So I, I would say Favre is the guy that I, I froze. I didn't know what to do. Uh, Jimmy. What's up, man? Big football fan. Listen to the last couple podcasts. Love them. Great insight. Thanks, man. Looks like Jimmy uh, plays for the White Sox. Thanks, Jimmy. Jimmy Lambert. Good luck, buddy. Who do you think should be the Bears shortlist of head coach and general manager if Pace is shown the door? I've heard Leslie Frazier, but I think that's not offensively favorable. Todd Bull sounds like a good choice. He's also a defensive guy. Uh, I think you got to go offense. Unless you go Pat Fitzgerald. Now, Urban was a disaster. We obviously talked about that. But Pat Fitzgerald has said to people in his circle, and I know a couple people in his circle, that the Chicago Bears job has always meant something to him. I do think he could just bring them some stability. I would call Pat Fitzgerald. And I know he's a defensive guy. I know he's coached at Northwestern his entire career. But I know a couple people that have been around and worked for Pat Fitzgerald. And these same people have been on... Super Bowl teams in the NFL as executives and been around high-level coaches, they swear by the guy. So I I know it's I I would think about it. Uh do you do you think that the offensive lines have to be constructed differently or able to play a different way depending on who their quarterback is? A guy like Brady who stands in the pocket or a guy like Kyler or Lamar who often moves outside the pocket? That is a really good question. And I, I would have to uh I'd probably have to ask a couple guys on the Chiefs if they've had to evaluate offensive linemen different for Patrick because obviously he moves around. I mean, not that I'm not at the level of Kyler, but I know a guy on the Ravens staff. I could ask him. That's that's a fascinating question. I, I honestly I haven't spent much time thinking about it, but you know I I, I don't know. I, I think you ultimately just want to get really good players. Uh, obviously, the more athletic, the easier it is to kind of move when a guy's scrambling. But, you know, good offensive linemen can just block. You know, once a guy starts moving, what can you do? Like, you know, the defensive linemen start moving laterally, so you can't really hold them. Uh, I think it's somewhat, I think you just look for the best offensive linemen. That would be my gut instinct without, like, you know, asking a bunch of people in the league. Been listening more and more to the podcast. Very entertaining. Appreciate it. Not trying to read compliments here. Longtime Bears fan, I really like what we're seeing from Fields this far. A bit rocky at times, but he's a rookie. Assuming Nagy is gone at the end of the season, which isn't a very controversial statement at this stage, do you have any opinion on Chicago's next head coach? Just answered it. Specifically someone you think that could continue building around fields. If they didn't go with Pat Fitzgerald, and there's no guarantee that Pat would take the job, you know, I, I think you just have to go an offensive guy. Byron Leftwich, Doug Peterson's been out a year. He Offensive guy, quarterback. Um, what about stealing a coach? You know, what about, you know, I, I saw Albert Breer wrote about this a while back. What about going college? What about calling the Saints and trying to trade for Sean Payton? Do something like that. Why, why does that never happen in, in pro football? Now, I'd have to ask some cap guys and some presidents how this shit works, but 
Happens in college football all the time. Why can't you just go steal Sean Payton? That would be my first call, maybe. Sean Payton. Can you get Sean Payton? Didn't he go to school? Was it Jimmy Garoppolo or Tony Romo school? Is he is he from Illinois? Sean Payton. <laughs> That's I'd actually go with Sean Payton. Good answer by me. I'm in a debate with my friend, and I want to know if my side has any merit. I said it could be advantageous for the Packers to go to Tampa for the NFC Championship instead of being played at Lambeau. Both teams have good offensive lines who, especially late in the year, go out of their way to run the ball. In the cold tundra, the Bucks have more weapons than the Packers. Also, this year specifically is setting up to be an Aaron Rodgers screw you tour. If they play SF and win, and they avenge prior losses, and then if they play Dallas, there's the whole Mike McCarthy aspect, and then to go to Tom's house and get revenge from last year topped off with beating Mahomes, Belichick, Super Bowl in LA, wouldn't that be storybook? What are your thoughts? Well, if you told me the best possible outcome for any individual player, like I, I don't think it's Brady beating Belichick. Brady won last year. Like he's won seven. What's, what's really the eighth going to be? And he beats Belichick. Belichick is a rookie quarterback. I think you just laid out by far the best possibility. Now, I, I don't know. We'd have to think it out, the seeding, how this would play out. But if Aaron Rodgers can beat the 49ers, who have beat him multiple times, if my memory serves me correct, they beat him in multiple second rounds and they beat him in the NFC Championship two years ago. And it's his hometown team. So he beats the Niners. Then he beats McCarthy. Then he beats Brady in Tampa. And then he just beats Belichick. Yes, I think that would be some icing on the cake shit for Aaron Rodgers. And who's 38 and who the I'm sure the Packers would love. And I repeat love to give $150 million to. And I just don't see why he'd want to leave. Question for the mailbag. Do you think Justin Fields could become an elite top five quarterback with better coaching, staff, and front office around him? Most of us Bear fans are excited about the future, but what are people around the league saying about him? I'll be honest, I haven't really asked anybody about Justin Fields lately. Once you start sucking, I just don't really pay attention to you until maybe the offseason. I'd be lying if I've said I've watched a lot of Justin Fields the last month, but if you've listened to me for longer than just the season, you'd know I loved him coming out in the draft. Now, a huge part of being a top five quarterback he has the physical attributes, right? The size, the strength, the arm, ability to make every throw. His his ability to run is special. But he's they're going to have to get some better talent around him, right? Allen Robinson's a free agent, probably going to be gone. They don't have any wide receivers. I guess they have the one young speed guy. But they need some talent outside. Uh, their running backs actually are pretty good. The young tight end from Notre Dame, not bad. To me, they need, and their offensive line is atrocious. So before we get to the wide receivers, they need to do a better job protecting him. But to acquire Justin Fields, they use a first-round pick, right? So the Giants have their first round. They do not have a first-round pick. But because they suck so much, they're going to draft high in the second and third round. So they need to get an offensive coach. They need to improve the talent around them, and they need to improve their offensive line. So before we talk about him as a top-five quarterback, they just need to improve his surroundings so he can just become like a, a borderline Pro Bowl guy. And that, to me, feels a long way away. You just, let's, let's like kind of walk before we run. Again, I'm a Fields fan. I, if, I, if I was dre- running the 49ers, I would have taken them three. My question is about the cards. It was just a few short weeks ago where everyone had Arizona as the best team in the league. Now, after a loss to LA, Murray not looking quite right, 
The news Hopkins is out for the season. The new feeling is their chances to make a run are over. Do you agree or or think it's a wild overreaction? Well, the Cardinals haters are going to think I'm going to come in and bury them. Uh, I still think they can go two and two down the stretch, and they would be you know twelve and five, and that they would probably win the NFC West and potentially, depending on what happens with Dallas, be the three seed. If they're missing Hopkins, and like it's hard. Like the one problem I have, and I, and I tweeted this about Bryce Young, who I know has a podcast for the volume. I'm a huge Bryce Young fan. He is a he's the best quarterback Saban's ever had by far. He's like Mac accurate. Tua was accurate too, but he's mobile like Deshaun. He's awesome. He's awesome. He weighs like 185, 190 pounds, right? So Kyler Murray is just small. And part of why we ding people like your height isn't make or break, but you watch Justin Field and Patrick Mahomes tonight, like they can see most things. Kyler's tiny and he's not that big. Now, luckily he is so fast, it's really hard to catch him. But when he does get caught sometimes, feels like he's kind of breaks down as the season goes on. And I, I thought those picks he threw on Monday night were, the one was terrible in the red zone, but the other play that Floyd made was a great defensive play. But if that's Justin Herbert, it's easier for him to lob it over when he's six foot five. Kyler's five foot nine. So I, their team, they have a lot of talent. Their defense is solid. But to think that a guy that's, let's face it, never won a huge game in Kingsbury and Kyler, just an undersized guy who just kind of wears down, is some lock to win a playoff game. I don't think that's the case. Now, Hopkins is a huge loss for them. But A.J. Green's been good. Ertz helps. You know, their running backs are solid. And if Kyler is 100% healthy, they can beat anyone because he is a spectacular talent. And for as much as I, quote-unquote, hate on Cliff's offense, I do enjoy, like, I think he has a good feel for play calling. Now, part of it is hard to totally tell sometimes because, uh, you know, Kyler kind of pulls shit out of his butt. With Urban being fired, what would be the best step for Jacksonville to sign a first-time head coach with an offensive mindset like Dable or more? Or will we see them go with a defensive head coach like Todd Bowles so there's less of a chance for failure? I think it's pretty clear. You have Trevor freaking Lawrence. Interview a bunch of offensive guys and hire the one you think is the best. You have to get an offensive guy for Trevor Lawrence. To me, that's the number one key. Find an offensive guy for Trevor Lawrence and sign him. Whether that's Doug Peterson, whether that's Byron Leftwich, whether that's Kellen Moore, whether it's Brian Dayball, I'd be interviewing them all. Eric Bieniemy, you name it. They interviewed Eric Bieniemy last year. So are they all of a sudden going to like him? Are they going to keep Trent Baalke? And I think, listen, Trent Baalke is an acquired taste. I've said this before, in my interactions with him over the year, he was always cool to me. I know a lot of people hate him. I'm talking despise the guy. Again, I can go off how you interact with me, and he was cool. But people I know <laughs> do not like him. Uh, I actually don't think he's as bad of a GM as the way people talk about him. But does he get to stay on as the GM? We'll see. He did, and he once upon a time hired Harbaugh, had some good drafts, and they won. Do you think Dallas learned anything from losing Sean Payton back when he was an OC? What can they apply to Kellen Moore? Would they consider moving on from McCarthy in order to keep him? I don't think so. I think Jerry's proven at, you know, when he was younger, he's loyal. And now he's almost 80. He's going to fire McCarthy? Now, maybe if McCarthy, you know, first-round playoff loss to, like, the Vikings or something, or the 49ers, maybe you think about it to keep Kellen Moore. But the offense hasn't looked great. 
You know, I heard Jerry, an interview clip, he wasn't really singing the offense's praises. I don't know if he's too happy, you know. I'm a Broncos fan who, like the rest of us, has watched the team spiral in mediocrity. This year has had its glimmers of hope, but I'm curious whether or not you think it's pointless. Why try to win with Teddy if it's not your long-term option and there's no clear successor in sight? If you were to sit in George Payton's chair this offseason, what would you do? We obviously have talent on defense, at receiver, running back, and even some hope for O-line. But how do we get a real quarterback? I feel like the season is making everyone delusional and we're staring down the barrel at plus or minus a 500 season. I think anytime you have the chance to make the playoffs, you always try to make the playoffs. Plus, there are no good quarterbacks in this draft. So you're probably, whether you draft 14 or 20, I would much rather draft 20 or 21 or whatever and make the seventh seed. That's a big deal. You know, it really is. And I, I think before you get to a quarterback, like, what are you going to do with your coach? Are you going to extend Vic Fangio or are you going to fire him? If he misses the playoffs, is he fired? Because then before we can talk quarterback, we got to pick a coach. Who's George Payton going to pick as his coach? I, I think you have to ask answer that question first. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I, I maybe maybe Russell Wilson demands a trade. I have a hard time unless the the Packers have a crazy loss seeing Aaron Rodgers leave. I, but I've been saying that for six months. Maybe I'm nuts. I don't pretend to know the guy, but you're going to leave Matt Lafleur and Devontae Adams for the Broncos. Who's our coach? Seems seems nuts to me, man. It really does. I get some... You'd be surprised. Some of my DMs, occasionally they have a blue check mark. I don't want to out this guy, but he's you know a pretty famous actor. Got a, got a couple famous actors that are uh, listeners of the podcast. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't kind of cool. He said I already answered the question. I was cursed with being a diehard Cowboys fan from birth. Almost 40. I'm a realist, not a blind cheerleader, though. What is your opinions of the Cowboys' offensive problems as a whole after Sunday? Listen, I, I don't pretend to be Bill Walsh when it comes to quarterback. Dak looks off to me. I mean, the pick he threw in the fourth quarter, he hit the guy in stride. What the hell was he doing? A couple balls in that game, he just overthrew. He had so much early in the season rhythm. Now, granted, everyone was healthy. Even when Gallup went out, Wilson jumped right in. CD, Amari. Maybe it's just as simple. And I know Colin harps on this all the time about the running game. He's very dependent on the running game. Now Zeke's kind of banged up. Pollard's got plantar fasciitis. I guess, you know, I don't even, a shot just numbs it, but then it gets worse after the game. Maybe it's just that simple. He's just, he's a really good player when everything is perfect. And early on in the season, everything was perfect, right? Their offensive line was playing well. Their receivers were out of this world and their running games were good. And obviously Parsons, it's weird. Things have flipped. And then Diggs started making plays. Parsons started making plays. It's kind of balanced them out. And you could argue sometimes it's better to be balanced. Look at Tampa Bay. Like they can run the ball. They can pass the ball with Tom. They can play defense. You got to be able to do everything ultimately win. So my, I I don't know. He just looks off. I don't, I don't really know why. I can't tell you like, you know, his right leg a little too bad or his arm motion. He, he looks like a normal Dak to me, you know, just moving around. But then when the ball comes out of his hand, it's all over the map. Two questions for you. With you being part of the Eagles organization for some years and knowing Howie and Jeffrey Lurie, how do you think they are going to go run heavy offense, especially with rumors that they sat dug down after the Green Bay game to talk about how much they ran the ball. Two, what do you think Howie is going to do with the three first-round picks? Go defense, heavy linebacker, maybe once again. Uh, maybe once again, love the pot. Fly, Eagles, fly. I don't know Jeffrey Lurie. 
but I, I just think they have a fundamental belief where passing wins in the league. But if your quarterback struggles at passing like Jalen Hurts did, and he can run, and you got good running backs, run the ball. Like ultimately, you're just trying to win games with who you have. And if you had Donovan McNabb or Michael Vick or Carson Wentz, it makes sense to throw the ball, right? But when you have a quarterback who struggles to throw, don't throw. Look at Gardner Minshew. He could throw a little bit more in the game against Jess. They were letting it rip. Uh, I think Howie's going to try to get a quarterback. Whether that's, you know, Deshaun Watson, we'll have to see what happens in that situation. I think he's definitely going to sniff around on Russell Wilson. We loved Russell Wilson 10 years ago. They will try to get Russell Wilson if he's available. And then I think they'd be sniffing around if Derek Carr was available. He'll, they'll do whatever it takes to upgrade the quarterback position. Because it's pretty clear their team's not bad. And they're, you know, I know what, the football team has a million uh, COVID guys, but the Eagles are a big favorite. Question for the bag. Of the five dumpster fire teams, Lions, Texans, Jags, Jets, and Giants, which ones in the group would you put money on to make the postseason in 23? Lions, no. Texans, no. Jags, I, I mean, none. <laughs> Zero chance. Assuming Deshaun Watson either leaves the Texans or ends up in jail, the Lions, Giants, and Texans have no quarterback. I like Trevor Lawrence more than Zach Wilson, but I don't see a positive outcome in Urban at the helm. I think the Jets are better positioned with the best draft capital. Joe Douglas is probably... I have a hard time seeing Zach Wilson make the playoffs. You watch that guy? Like, I got, I got news for you. Talking to people around the league, they think he sucks. They think Zach Wilson sucks. Now... You got to put it in context. His team's awful. His offensive line's been banged up. But when you watch him, now his, he, he's not like he's not physically gifted. He can move. He's got an explosive arm. But he is not a good player. Now, I, I don't care if you put Mahomes on their team. They're not making the playoffs. But, like you can tell, like this guy knows what's going on. And it might be his offensive coordinator, young guy, LaFleur's brother over his head. I don't know. But he looks terrible. I mean, legitimately bad. I, I couldn't put any of those teams. I honestly, I don't, the Jags, maybe if they could just, something happened, Tannehill got hurt and they went like nine and eight and they got a wild card. That would still seems pretty crazy to say it out loud. Why do I keep seeing punt returners catch the ball when inside the 10 and the, even the five yard line? Thought you stand on the 10 if over your head, let it go. Please, are you related to Dr. Evil? Just kidding. No, I'm just bald and just follically challenged. Don't have any hair. Uh, I think there are certain rules special teams coaches have. Obviously, you don't want the ball. You know, I, I think on a on a punt that's probably traveling like 60 yards in the air, it's going to be hard for the guy to put the juice on it to stop. But sometimes when they're at like the 50-yard line, having been at, you know, I used to help out with special teams when I was with the Eagles, help them chart and stuff. These guys really work on their ability to kind of do like the... Uh, you know, the top over end punt that if it hits the right way stops. So if I'm at like, you know, 50 to 55 yards out, I can angle the punt. And if I land it in that 10 to five zone, there's a decent chance that it's going to, you know, potentially land at like the one or two. Now, every special teams coach has different rules. Some I think of the seven yard line. I'm with you. I wouldn't catch it on the five yard line. Seven, eight yard line would probably be my max. Uh, but Listen, I, I fucked around a little bit, probably more at Fresno State. I never did in the NFL. Try to catch punts from our punter, who, I, you know, Andrew Shapiro, he, he got a training camp. It is. I can't, I have, no, it is so hard. I, I, I don't think people quite understand, and I think we all do realize how difficult 
the craft is of standing and catching a punt that is who knows how high in the air with two dudes running four fours and four threes flying down the sideline ready to hit your sternum or break your rib cage while the ball while you're not looking at them you're looking in the air as the ball's spinning in a weird way um it's tough i mean i it's hard for me i never get that mad at muff punts uh cuz i i just know not that i've ever done it in a game but i i i do respect and understand how crazy it is to catch those punts any updates on Deshaun Watson? How do you think Houston will attempt to move him this offseason? No, no, none. Who knows? Hell of a question. I don't think anybody knows. We're just going to have to wait till whenever his case happens, which, you know, doesn't feel like the uh, the judicial system's in any rush. Uh, I'm a Broncos fan. I'm tired of being in quarterback purgatory. You guys, you know, you guys got spoiled, right? You guys got spoiled. You had Elway. Then you were good in the 2000s with Shanahan. Uh, then you got, you know, Peyton Manning. You guys are okay. You, you got a good nucleus of players. You're in position. You're going to be active looking for quarterbacks. I would not want to watch Teddy Bridgewater every week, so I do understand your pain. But ultimately, like, you, honestly, and even your coach, who's like a borderline NFL head coach, he's not a joke. So you guys are more than serviceable. With a guy that everyone around the NFL really respects, uh, the Drew Locke thing's over. Aaron Rodgers is not happening, and I don't know if Russell Wilson would want to play in the cold. I mean, Aaron, Russell Wilson plays in the cold now. I love Watson, but who knows what's going to happen. I, I just, you know, if this is a low moment for you guys, you guys got it pretty good, right? Like, I've, as someone who's watched the Raiders for the last decade, like, come on. They're jealous of your low moments, I promise you. I promise you. Okay, last question. As a sad, lifelong Raiders fan, I have two questions. Who is the best option for us as a head coach? I would think either Harbaugh or Tomlin, if he's available because he pr- seems pretty fed up with his team's BS. I think he means Jim Harbaugh and obviously Mike. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we will end up with Dabo because Mark is a moron. And for Derek Carr, what do you think the move is? Trade him for picks and draft a quarterback? Trade him for another quarterback like the Rams and Lions did last season? The only option I see for that is Russell Wilson. Thank you. The Raiders have had Rich Piscaccia, uh, John Gruden, Jack Del Rio, Tony Soprano, Dennis Allen. They've had five head coaches in like eight years. They desperately need to find a way to just find some stability. And I do think that Dabo is going to be in the mix. Uh, I, I was watching this thing where Derek Carr says Dabo calls him a lot. And it makes sense. The Raiders have a ton of Clemson players. And I would guess that Hunter Renfro is one of Dabo's favorite players of all time. Dabo's a former walk-on wide receiver. Well, Derek, like Dabo, is very religious. Very religious. So is Dabo. And there, Derek, being around him, I mean, the guy loves football. It's, he, it's why him and coaches get along. Because he's a football junkie. I don't think it's crazy. If Dabo Sweeney takes the Raiders job... Which would be a bold move. But I would say this is the difference between Dabo and Urban. Dabo's a good guy. People like playing at Clemson. People enjoy Dabo Sweeney. People like working with Dabo Sweeney. Urban's a dick. Dabo is not. Now, would Dabo be over his head? Maybe. Is he made for the NFL? I would lean no. But I think that that thing is going to gain some speed. Now, I would go with an NFL guy. Doug Peterson. Won a Super Bowl. Coached in Philly. 
been around the NFL for 30 years. He's just a normal, stable human. I would think about doing something like that. You know, an ideal guy type would be for like a Ron Rivera, like that type guy. Why would Mike Tomlin leave the Ra- uh, Steelers? Just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm not saying, I, I've seen other people say this. I, and I think Raider fans in their back of their mind, because let's face it, if you're a diehard Raider fan, Mike Tomlin, you feel seen watching him. You're like, this guy belongs in silver and black. But it's like, he coached for the Steelers. He's never had a record under 8-8. Eight and eight. The Raiders have made the playoffs one time in 20 years. Tomlin goes to playoffs every year. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I also think like, I, I would take Jim Harbaugh over Dabo Sweeney because I think you'd be better off. You'd have a chance to win. The problem is Jim's crazy too. He's not like John Gruden or Urban Meyer crazy, but he's kind of crazy. So if Jim Harbaugh were to take the job, Derek would stay. If Dabo takes the job, Derek would stay. Some of these other guys, who knows? But who, you know, unless you're trading Derek for Russell Wilson, who are you trading him for? Who's going to play quarterback for you? That's what I keep saying about Russell Wilson. You're going to trade Russell Wilson. Who's going to play quarterback for Seattle Seahawks? If I'm John Schneider and I don't get fired, and Russell Wilson's like, I want to get traded. I'm like, okay, well, I'll see what I can get for you. And everyone's going to be offering these picks and these picks and these linebackers and wide receivers. Like, well, who's playing quarterback for me? I get paid to build a football team. And the number one position is quarterback. And now I don't have one. I have seven first rounders from the Eagles. Well, I don't want to draft Kenny Pickett. Now, if I'm John Schneider and I love Kenny Pickett or something, maybe. But if I don't, like, I'm just trading the greatest player I'll ever draft for four first round picks. Like, think about this. Let's just use Aaron Rodgers five years ago. Can you imagine if the Packers would have traded him for five first round picks? Do you know who would have won? The team that got Aaron fucking Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a better player than Russell Wilson, but still, I mean, Russell's pretty damn good. I don't know. I, I just, I would just probably keep Derek, but he's a free, he's going to be a free agent after next year. Are you going to give him $40 million a year? I, I couldn't do that. But Derek loves the Raiders. Maybe he'll play. Would he sign like a five-year deal for $125 million? Every penny guaranteed? Would Mark Davis do that? Does Mark Davis have $125 million in his back pocket? I don't know. Complicated issues with the Raiders. And I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, been, it's been a long 20 years for you guys. Appreciate you guys listening. Share with your friends. Adios. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 